G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast here on a Friday before round 14 AFL Fantasy Lockout and the NBA draft in the rear vision mirror. I just uh, finished watching all 60 picks in the draft, plenty of player movement, plenty of pick movement I should say with uh, multiple trades going on, nothing too surprising, most things stuck to form but I'm going to give my uh, five cents and a couple of minutes talk on the draft at the end of this. Obviously, I am here with the main focus of AFL Fantasy. The last buy round, a lot of coaches have been hanging out for the buyers to come and go, including yours truly. I haven't had the greatest buy round run score-wise, but I am definitely leaving the buy rounds with a better team, which at the end of the day is what we want. So I'll talk about my moves for this week with a couple of big ins, but dive into a lot of the team selection stuff and a few of your questions. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Quickly before I go too much into the rest of the round 14 games still to come, we saw last night the West Coast Eagles clash with Essendon, which for a lot of people was very fantasy relevant. A lot of vice captain loophole action. Some people would have taken a chance on Elliot Yo. Those people that did so were handsomely rewarded. Big 132 Yo he had. Sheed was great with 114. Gaffey was a very popular trade in target, and I'm not a huge fan of trading in for players at their absolute peak. I'm doing it in my trades this week though, but sometimes, obviously I'd rather go for a bit of a value play. Gaffey only put up a 92. He'd had 16 straight tons at Optus Stadium, or in WA I should say, so a bit of a letdown from Gaffey, but that's okay. He's an animal. He'll be better for the end of the season. On the other side of the ball, we saw Zach Merritt drop a 105. A lot of people, again, would have taken the vice-captain chance on him. Kyle Hooker actually top-scored for the Dons with a 116. I talked about him in one of my articles a few weeks ago as a draft sleeper, actually. So he's out there if you need a draft hit. Uh, Dill Shield had a 94. Dylan Clark, who was another popular downgrade choice, had 68 for the Bombers, which wasn't too bad. And obviously on the other side of the ball, we also saw Jeremy Cameron, make it, or Jared Cameron rather, make his debut for the Eagles and was pretty good. Kicked a couple of goals, a couple of tackles, finished on a 69. So I don't think he'll hold his spot with Willie Rioli coming back into the team next week. But if he does, he's going to be one of the most popular downgrade picks for sure. We saw a lot of changes for the Eagles outfit. Bunger Hearn came back in with Jackson Nelson and the aforementioned Elliot Yeo, along with Chris Maston, Oscar Allen and debutant Jared Cameron. Rotham, Tom Cole, Jake Waterman, Nate Vardy, Josh Smith and Willie Rioli were the outs. So not a lot fantasy relevant there. Josh Rotham, maybe. There'll be some people rocking him on their bench. On the other side of the ball, Jake Stringer didn't get up after uh, hurting himself last weekend. So quick turnaround. They opted to keep him in Melbourne. And Mitch Brown was the in for the Bombers. All right, Friday night footy, we'll see the Swans clash with Hawthorne. Some big names are back in the Swans outfit with Josh Kennedy, Will Hayward, and Zach Jones. They're three ins. Making way for them is the injured Jared McVeigh, Jackson Thurlow, and Tommy McCartan. On the other side of the ball, Jared Ruffhead gets back into the Hawks lineup, which is good to see, along with Harrison Morrison. Dropped is James Cousins, so that might hurt a little bit of draft people. Hurts me, actually, now that I think about it. And Ben Stratton was suspended for two games after a very weird set of circumstances. So Jimmy Warple has been named on the ball with Diego Amira, so nothing too surprising there. Hopefully both of them can score well. And Jake Lloyd will be a very popular captain choice this week. Didn't really get enough from the popular guys like Merritt and Gaffey to cash in. If you got Elliot Yeo's 132, things are a bit different. But I wouldn't be surprised if some people were rocking Jake Lloyd as skipper. He should be big against the Hawks. 
The next game is the D's taking on Frio. No change for the Dockers outfit. So no Harley Bunnell, but also Brett Bewley gets to keep his spot. A lot of people will be happy with that. On the other side, we see Melbourne make four changes to their lineup. Jay Lockhart might still be rocking in a few people's teams, and he's back in, along with Alex Neil Bullen, Harrison Petty, and Tim Smith. Three injuries in Michael Hibbard, Jeff Garlett, and Jake Lever are out for the Ds, along with Charlie Spargo, who's been dropped. Sean Darcy is still the lead ruck for Frio. Max, uh, Max Gorn could have a day out against him, let's be honest, even though Darcy is a big boy. I wouldn't be surprised if Gorn went 130-plus against the Dockers. Later on Saturday, we'll see St. Kilda clash with Brisbane. They've made a few changes to their respective sides as well. Oscar McInerney, Ryan Lester, and Alan Christensen are in for Brisbane, with Louis Taylor, Archie Smith, and Nick Robertson all left out of the team. So so see McInerney come back in for Smith. Bit of a bummer. I thought Archie Smith would have been a good cash play, and I did suggest it to a few people. We made a bit of buck, but, yeah, unfortunately, didn't really hit like we would have wanted him to. So I don't know, honestly, if he'll get up again this season. So you might have to cash him in. No rush, though. Hopefully he can uh, play a couple of games, but I won't hold out faith. For St Kilda, we're seeing finally the anticipated debut of Dan Hanabry, who's someone that... I do have a very close eye on. Could just go out there and drop a 60 in limited game time, which is what I'm kind of expecting. And for that reason, I'm probably not going to trade him in this week or next. I don't know. I'll obviously have to wait and see how he goes against Brizzy. Jake Carlisle was the in as well. Can't remember if I already mentioned that. And Brandon White and Nathan Brown were the two outs. So Hanabry named on the bench. Billings onto a wing, and Nick Hind, unfortunately, still sitting on that half-forward flank. So I was looking at trading him in this week, but decided against it because he did spend a lot of game time forward last week against the Suns, and if he's going to keep doing that, I don't think he can score super great. Hopefully, we can see him push further up the ground this week, but with Jack Stevens still potentially to come into that side as well, I think I'm going to wait and see on Nick Hind, who honestly might go out of the side if he performs poorly on Saturday. On the night game, we've got the Cats against Port Adelaide, arguably the pick of the games for mine. Uh, Darcy Fort coming back in for a lot of coaches is handy on the bench. Does give those who have Brody Grundy a little bit of uh, insurance. Don't think he's going to be a laid out, but there are talks and buzzes surfacing around Twitter over his status, so hopefully Grundy gets up, but no guarantees there. If you do own Darcy Fort, that could be a nice... Little emergency. Asava Radagalia is out injured with that hammy, so Fort comes in, hopefully can cement his spot and make coaches a bit more buck, but I don't think so. I think once Radagalia is healthy again, he'll go out. And uh, Radagalia will come back in on Port Adelaide's side of things. There were four ins with Brett Ebert, uh, Brad Ebert rather, Charlie Dixon, Ollie Wines, and youngster Joel Garner all relevant ins fantasy-wise. Dixon back for his first game of the year. Could just be a cheek uh, play in draft. You probably want to wait a week or two and see how he goes, but if you are someone like me who has Jaden Stevenson, you could just get another forward there. Uh, the outs for Port Adelaide, Paddy Ryder was omitted, along with Jared Leanett, Justin Westhoff, and Sam Powell-Pepper. So three of those guys have been left as emergencies, along with Willem Drew. So interesting to see... Port Adelaide be a bit relentless with their team selection-wise. Ollie Wines back in. He's still pretty cheap and someone that we've seen score all right in the past, but he's never really been a fantastic fantasy player. He cost you 639k, so if you are looking for one of those, I guess you could say stepping stones or not truly elite guys to round out your midfield, we could see Wines be that bloke. Might drop a little bit in price, but he has a break-even of 87, so I'd expect him to get that, even though... They are going up against Geelong. So interesting to watch uh, Port Adelaide versus Geelong. No Tom Rockliffe again. 
I've talked a little bit about this and some people who have owned him have hit me up and asked what to do. Honestly, because he's still worth a little bit of coin and you can get to a decent player, I think it's time to trade him. He has had some great games this year, but he has looked a little bit banged up and personally, I'm glad I got rid of him a few weeks ago. can always bring him back in. Remember, we get two trades a week, so if you are a Rocky owner, I reckon it's time to part ways with him. The final game of the round, and arguably the most fantasy-relevant game of the round, we'll see the Western Bulldogs clash with Collingwood. Final sides still haven't been confirmed. That'll be done later today, but at the moment, Jaden Stevenson is the only out for the Pies. Ben Crocker, Josh Dacos, Max Lynch, Isaac Quainer, and Ben Reed have been introduced to the squad. Dacos is probably the most likely replacement there, and on their Bulldogs team will have three outs at least with Bailey Dale and Ryan Gardner omitted. No surprise to see Gardner omitted after a very lackluster game last week. Libba out for about a month at least with that knee injury. And very relevant ins uh, for the Bulldogs. We've got Josh Shackey, Louis Taylor, Riley West, Taylor Geray, Ed Richards, Rourke Smith and Lockie Young. So personally, I'm someone who still has Lockie Young in my team. I'll probably trade him out this week. I don't think he'll get named, but if he does, there's a few coaches who could uh, cash in his score, which would be very nice. Shaki should take Ryan Gardner's spot in front of the sticks. Wouldn't surprise me there, but we might see Riley West make his AFL debut. Tom Libertore going out for a month's worth of footy is very relevant. West could be another cash cow that we have in our sides for the second half of the year. He does cost 220k, so it's not the cheapest move to make. He has gone at an average of 65 from eight games so far in the VFL, so there's a little bit of uh, temptation there. He, again, does cost a little bit, so I don't know if I'd advise paying up for him. I think, considering his price, it's wise to just give him a wait and see, but if you're desperate and you need a midfield downgrade, he's one of the blokes to consider. All right, let me dive into a bit of Q&A before I give my thoughts on the NBA draft. Had a few people hit me up on Twitter with questions, so thanks to those blokes and lasses out there. Our first question comes from Mannix25, who says, Who do you reckon has better job security for a bench spot, Garner, Rose, or Petty? So Rose is a Swans forward, and Petty, I think, is also a defender, along with the aforementioned Joel Garner. Yeah, Petty costs 233k. Garner 189, and Rose again is a little bit north of around that 230 mark. So out of those three, I think the wise play would be to go for Garner. We've already seen him play a game, had a 60, looked all right. Does have a low break even, so hopefully we can see him stay in the side for a few weeks and make a little bit of money. Not super hopeful, but job security rise. Rose is the only one that's kept his job from last week, so that could steer you in that direction. And obviously it depends, I guess, if you need a forward or a defender downgrade. You might be able to swing Gardner or Burgess around to prioritize that. But if I was making a move, I would advise going for Garner. A little bit of extra cash and a low break even tempts me. John Cool hit me up and he said, hey legend, who do I trade in? Trelaw, Merritt, Fife, or Duncan? So Obviously, chasing premium midfielders is something a lot of people will be doing this week, cashing in Sammy Walsh. Uh, I'll talk about the bloke that I'm going to trade in in a little bit, but out of those blokes, I guess you'd want to have a little bit of a look at the rest of your team. If you do maybe have some other rookies still floating around, you might want to keep a bit of cash, and maybe Nat Fife is tempting for that reason, but you want to try and get a big midfielder with the highest floor, in my opinion. So Trelaw and Duncan are heading that pack, obviously, can't trade in Zach Merritt now that he's already played. So 
I would lean towards Trelaw or Duncan in that situation, and I think from memory Trelaw costs a little bit less, so that might help you make your decision. Gimme Cats asks, reckon I should trade Smith to Sick Dog and play Fort on the field, or should I trade Wits to Gorn and roll with 17? Cares more about long-term than winning. I still think it's wise there to do Wits to Gorn. Smith can still get a few 80s, and honestly, the difference between him and Sicily isn't enormous, while the difference from Wits to Gorn could be huge. So it hasn't been too huge, like I've mentioned a few times in recent pods. It's only going to be about 200 points by the end of the buy rounds. But yeah, the difference between Smith and Sicily may be, I don't know, an 80... 85 to a 90 at best, maybe 95 if Sicily gets firing, but Wits to Gone could be 10, 20 points difference for the rest of the year. So that's where my thoughts are on that one. Last one comes from Nathan Obermuller who asks, would you go for Gaff and Stewart with only two grand left in the bank or McRae and then Sicily or Hearn with a 95k? I would have gone the first one. I mean, hindsight is a powerful tool and we now know that Gaffey scored 92 so he might not deliver that but I still would have sided with Gaff and Stewart there emptying the bank Tom Stewart's someone that I think will emerge over the next oh, how many games have got left 9 or 10 um, as a top 6 defender he's got a nice run home he's shown that his flaws around 80 at worst so I think that's where my thoughts would go so for me this week, I'm trying to get a couple of big names into my team. I've done well by bringing in Trelaw and Fife in the last two weeks, but it's time to use the money in my bank and get some mega upgrades. I'll be, fingers crossed, hopefully fielding 19 after trades. I've cashed in Jared Witts. I've been humming and hawing over it in recent weeks, but turning him into Max Gorn. Thank you, Jared Witts, for your services, along with Sam Walsh. I think both of them are at the right time to be traded out. And in the midfield, I'm going to be loading up on Mitch Duncan. That gives me a pretty nice midfield at the end of the buys. I would obviously, in a perfect world, rather Josh Kelly, but considering he's on his buy, I don't think it's wise to bring him in. So Duncan should be good. I've talked about Tom Stewart's run home, and obviously Mitch Duncan can keep scoring well. Fingers crossed. The downgrade move at this stage is Lachlan Young to Joel Garner to make an extra 90-odd K. I might still trade out Willem Drew to someone if... Lockie Young gets named, but I don't think he will, and for that reason, that's why I'm steering towards Ghana. All right, that's all I've got AFL fantasy-wise. Before I wrap up, I want to do a little bit of NBA draft talk. We didn't see any huge blockbuster trades, but we saw plenty of teams swap spots and uh, juggle around picks in the first round and early on in the second as well. Pretty happy with how the Cavs went about things as... You may have heard a few times I'm pretty high on Darius Garland, so I'm glad that they got him at five. And if it turns out that he and Colin Sexton can't play together, it's not the end of the world. Obviously, we can trade either of them if one of them doesn't work, but I think getting the bloke at the highest ceiling at five is the way to go. And I think because Hunter was off the board, you could have maybe justified Jarrett Culver going there, but Garland was a good pick. Later in the first round, getting a nice shooter... And Dylan Windler and then taking a flyer on Kevin Porter is a pretty good way to go. I would have loved to see them take someone like Bol Bol, who ended up on the Denver Nuggets, much to JLo's joy, which we'll talk about on the Sunday sit-down. But can't be too mad with three first-rounders coming into the Cavaliers' outfit. We need something to build around, so getting these young pieces, as long as one of them pans out, I'll be pretty stoked. Again, like I said, there wasn't too much shocking moves. I liked Jackson Hayes going to New Orleans. I think he could be a good center player, pairing him with Zion. Cam Reddish could work out in Atlanta, but I wonder how many minutes he'll get if they keep DeAndre Hunter. And they've got Kevin Herter as well. But obviously fit is a huge 
factor when it comes to seeing how these guys pan out. I did like the looks of Matisse Thibel, who ended up going to Philadelphia at 20, and Brandon Clark, actually, who was the next pick at 21. But Thibel is arguably the best perimeter defender in the class, so getting him will be nice for Philly's rotation and could help them contend. In the second round, there wasn't anything really that stands out apart from Bol Bol going at 44 originally to Miami and then getting traded to... Denver was a huge steal in my opinion. Hopefully he can stay healthy and pan out. We never know, obviously. This foot injury did scare me a bit, but I would have liked the Cavs or another team to take a chance on him in the first round. Zion's now a Pelican, obviously. Memphis gets to start their rebuild with Jar, and the Knicks get RJ Barrett, who seems pretty stoked to be heading to New York. As uh, you can imagine, being a teenager living in NYC would be pretty dope. That's going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions throughout the week, next week, after the buy rounds for your AFL fantasy side, feel free to hit me up. I am going to be writing an article on some of the low ownership, unique type of guys that you might want to target. So check that out on sportsbyfry.com. The round wrap-up will be back, hopefully a little bit earlier on Tuesday so that it's still trending and relevant. But apart from that, thank you for tuning in. Good luck in the last buy round. Hopefully your team is coming out of the buys better than when we started and time to gear up for the home stretch. Make sure if you enjoyed the episode, you leave a rating and review, but thanks for tuning in. Until next time, peace.